What's up, people, and welcome back to the Rebels Nations podcast. It's your boy, Rev. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Of course, I'm going to ask you to share this. Um, we're doing great things here at the Rebels Nations podcast. I have a new social media team leader. She is doing wonderfully well, so I appreciate her. Please subscribe, rate, and review, and you know, get this thing going. So today, I recently finished interviewing a young man. His name is Santi Lopez. He is one of the brightest and sharpest young men I've ever met in my entire life. I interviewed him about people being young and like like youthful in politics. Um, I believe this dude is the future president of Colombia. This dude is just, he's just so bright and so sharp. And I want you to listen to what he has to say in his idea of being young and getting into politics. His idea of, you know, being willing to not be so socially accepted now so he can be greater later in life. Of course, he's a teenager. His friends or or his peer group, I should say, isn't necessarily into the things that he's into, but he says that's okay. He knows he's setting himself up for future success. So I want you to sit back, relax, enjoy this um, episode of the Rebelizations podcast. Please, again, subscribe, rate, and review, share this, and we'll get to it. Let's hear from Santi Lopez. Yeah, the revelations now televised. Uh, a platform for you and I. And now look with full heart and clear eyes. Now, these are just my thoughts. Truth on how I feel with these topics I reveal. Please know my toll, I always keep it real. Can't face the world if you can't face facts. For your time, just open up your mind. That's it, just live, think big. Now take that. With God in me, this here was made by design. Yeah, the revelation will be televised. Revelations. Welcome back to the Rebelizations podcast. I have Santi Lopez, a student at TCS in Medellin, Colombia. How are you today, man? Hi, Rev. How are you? Great uh, to be here and on such a nice afternoon. And I think this is going to be a very good opportunity for us to talk about topics that both unite us and that I'm sure we're both passionate about. Absolutely. Um, Santi, why don't you tell the people a little bit about yourself um, of course, we're on here to talk about young people in politics, but introduce yourself to the people a little bit so they can know a little bit about who they will be hearing from today. Perfect. Uh, so I'm an 11th grade student. Uh, I've always been very passionate about leadership and about understanding why things work the way they work and how these things the, or these systems that are in place are affecting our lives, are affecting the way we interact with other people and the way that we eventually become successful or the way that we progress in life. Yes, absolutely. And I remember uh, when I first got to TCS back in 2021, you were one of the first students I've actually had like real conversation with, and we began to talk about politics. And I was amazed that someone who was in the ninth grade at the time, now you are in grade 11, was so interested in politics. So where does that come from? That that interest that you have in politics, is it something that you've developed on your own, your parents? Like, where does it come from? So I think there's many things that can take an individual to get to politics. Like, personally, my grandparents have been more involved in the political environment than my parents, per se. Okay. I've never had, like, this type of pressure that exists in, like, so many different places 
So like you have to like politics. And so like what happens in political families, for example, mm -hmm. but I did have this influence of leadership. And I also happen to like academics and yes. social, like the social area. And then also history comes in and all of these things kind of like drive you to the conclusion that politics is not just electing a leader every four years. Politics is everything that happens with the economy, everything that happens in, with education, and all this can be comprehended under politics. And so I eventually found that this was like the path I eventually I wanted to take in life. And so that's where I started involving myself with particular political parties, senators, former presidents. Okay. Well, we'll get into the senators and, and former presidents that you that you know. But as a young person, mm -hmm. can you say why it's important for young people to take an interest in politics? Because you know 99.9% .9 of your classmates and all the people at your school don't care. And they basically repeat what their parents said at home. Like, you know, they bring it to school, but they themselves don't have a mind for politics. How important is it for young people to to get it and understand politics? I think the importance is very big, especially considering that this system of you inherit, inheriting your parents' beliefs has been effective in the past because in the past change was slower. But we have come to a point in history mm -hmm. where change is quite constant. And these political beliefs don't necessarily have to change but they do have to adapt themselves to the situation. And so okay. as people that are being exposed to pandemics, to wars, to social conflict, we should always be conscious that politics is going to be most of the time the way in or the way out of conflict. And so oh, if wow. we understand politics, we can avoid conflict or we can learn how to manage it. I think that's, I think that's impressive. I've never thought about it that way. Um, Politics need to get you in or out of, of conflict. No, I, I agree. And yeah, you have taken an interest as a young person. And so what is that? I, I guess in a way it sets you apart from a lot of your classmates. When you want to have intellectual political conversations, they want to have conversations about what's going on this weekend and how trash or how wasted they're going to get, right? Because that's the conversations that teenagers like to have. But so where does that, political mindset take you in your like I know how it how you're involved in school because I've been your teacher we have classes for those type of things but in your personal life how, like how do you keep yourself interested or keep yourself involved in politics even though you're not of legal age yet so precisely what you're saying is the fact that keeps that makes me attractive in the in like in the realm of politics because as you were saying, and I, I summarized that in saying that intellect had never in history been so unpopular as it is today. Being intellectual before so was the best trait a person could have. Today, intellect is considered, I think, to a degree, stupidity. And that, that, that doesn't make sense. So a young person that values intellect and that understands politics is very valued in the political environment. So when I come into this political environment, bringing to the table this intellect, this knowledge, which I have built to the point, yes, does from it does open doors 
that most of the time would not be open to a person of my age. That That is so true. I think you are more future thinking than most of your constituents, right? It, it, it's a thing. Teenagers are myopic. It's not their fault. Myopic means they just think about the now. It's not their fault. It's a part of brain development. Um, so how has your intellect, because you are a very intellectual and intelligent young man, and your interest in politics, how has that affected you socially amongst your peers? Mm -hmm. I understand it gets you into certain rooms politically, but you're still, you're a teenager, man. I mean, you have peers. How does it, how does that play out with your peers and your interactions with them? So in general with my peers, I had always like there, I had always made it clear that I was going to be different, that I, but I always wanted for that difference to be positive. And so I oh, think wow. that difference enriches. And so when it comes to that, I think most people have used difference as an excuse, more as an opportunity. And so with difference, and you were talking about how people my age are just talking about getting wasted or what they're going to do this weekend. What happens eventually is that when a person with intellect with certain political ability comes into the social aspect, there's going to be a differentiation that's not necessarily bad. And I mm -hmm. think that differentiation, I'm not necessarily the one with most friends or with the largest social group, but I think in the long run, that has been very beneficial. For example, today I was having a conversation with some alumni from the school. And so they were talking about why I like to join certain extracurricular clubs within the school. And so what I was saying is because most of the time, the people that are joining these groups are going to be people that they are eventually going to be a strategic relationship. And so ah. developing these strategic relationships and being to eventually separate the people who are taking from you and the people who are enriching you is very important social skill. Wow. Wow. No. So that, that is true. Politics is a lot about networking and who, you know, um, knowing how to work a room, talk to people and, and things of that nature. And that's really good. And you, you learn that as a, as a young person. So while you're building friendships, you're also building networking opportunities. That's, that that's awesome. So you mentioned earlier that you've been in spaces where you've met senators and former presidents. And I am 42 years old and I've never met a senator, a former president. I, I did meet the president of of uh, my, um, what, do, what do you call it? The um, student council. That's about as far as I've gotten with a president in my lifetime. So talk to me about Maybe, maybe not who you met because we, we, you know, that might be sensitive information, but how you gained that access to these there. great political figures. What was that? Oh, I got there to that point. Yeah. How you got there. Yes. So it's interesting because I like to think that I have a lot of merit in that area. Why? Because most of the time when people in like, I want to say like my people in my grade, for example, in my grade level. They will have like, this is relatively common, as you know, mm -hmm. but most of them will get to this point of like meeting a senator or meeting a sitting president. They will only get to this point because of their parents or someone else that's opening mm -hmm. the way for them. Mm -hmm. But in my case, through my social skills and through being able to talk to people, I have been able to open these doors for myself. 
Wow. And that's not necessarily something I've had to do because I could have perfectly just called my grandparents and have them arrange a meeting for me. But I said, no, I want to like get this by myself and I want to enjoy this as my own triumph. And mm -hmm. through my talking with people, meeting with people, I eventually got get to this point and I see it as a personal, a personal achievement. Of course. Of course. That's awesome. And have you been able to maintain, develop and maintain relationships with these political figures? Yes. Like after the first time or two, like the first time I met a former president, it was a very stressful moment. It was scary. I could feel like my hands shaking. But then after you start developing a relationship with this, these people and like they can also see which relationships are beneficial for them, it's important to keep that bond. And it has come to a point where I'm chatting with them. Or con I'm constantly talking on the phone with them. And so this enriches both of our, of our intellects because conversation is enriching, especially conversation that it's with people who know about the field you're interested in. Because if you're talking mm -hmm. with people, and I'm not saying this is bad or that it should not be done at all, but if you're only talking with people about getting wasted or about these type of things, that conversation is not enriching you. It's taking away from you. But when you get the opportunity to establish a relationship that is constantly giving from part to part, it's going to be very good, again, for both sides. Absolutely. And you said this what earlier, you said you wanted this to be your career path. So, okay, I'm going to go back and I'm going to be young again. We're, we're going to go back and I'm a, I'm a, a freshman in high school. I'm ninth grade and I'm looking up to Santi and you're going to help me follow the path of getting into politics. What, what should I be looking for? What should I, I try to do? And then the, even beyond that, Double question here. When you go to college, what are you looking for? What classes are you looking to take? What um, educational path are you getting to take to get you into your career path that you want? So first, like about the path that you said. So I think it's important to talk to people around you, but not necessarily people your same age. Most wow. people okay. ignore most of the time figures like grandparents. And I see like the, the grandparent is probably the second most important figure in the education of a child because a oh, grandparent wow. has a lot of experience and being able to share this experience via conversation, via photographs is going to be able to give you enough knowledge to start opening different paths for you. So many people, for example, haven't sat down to talk to their grandparents. It's very important to sit down talk to your grandparents. And for example, I was talking to my grandpa one day and he says, oh, when I was working as, as a doctor, I met this person. And so then what did you talk about with this person? And then how did you get to that person? And with the these tips or these tricks, you're going to be able to follow a similar path to the path through politics. Wow, it's amazing. And so what, when you think about the next, couple of years. So next year, you'll be thinking more about college, getting into colleges, universities, accepted. What type of major or what type of degree will you be seeking that will help you gain more credentials to become this future politician that you want to become? So I, pers I personally want to study here in Colombia. 
in Bogota are like the best universities in the field of law. So I want to study law in Bogota, but I wanted to mm -hmm. be centered through studying the constitution because I think that okay. the constitution is a very important document considering that it's a policy of state and not a policy of government because it's important yes. it's very important to do to have the distinction very clear because the state is a structure the state is not changing what is changing is the government that's what we change every four years but i think that in order for there to be a successful government there has to be a very stable state absolutely and i'm happy you explained that uh, I, i actually you know i majored in history of course but my minor was in political science um and while i know the the process of politics i don't personally like it because there's a perception and it's sort of true that politicians are crooks man like we like we know we we can't we can't trust them so what is your motivation for getting into politics what is your why why do you want to do it it's not just because it's interesting mm -hmm. what change do you want to affect or see I like, I would like to go into it because I think that I personally, with my experience, my intellect, I can do a real service to my country. And there's a oh. lot of areas for improvement in Colombia. Colombia right now is going like in the last 20 years have been politically unstable. Actually, like the whole Colombian history has been very unstable politically. But I think that Colombia has a very good base for what could be a, become a great country. We have very good natural resources. Mm -hmm. People here yes. are hardworking. We have two yes. access to, to, to the Atlantic and the Pacific. We have, we're yes. very, we have a very good location in terms of geography. And so yes. I, all of this potential the country has is being lost because we are stuck in a belief that politicians are just corrupt, like what you were saying. And so yes. what I think is most people get to that point. So most people will just say, mm -hmm. oh, politicians are corrupt. I'm not getting involved with them or I'm not believing in it. Mm -hmm. But even though there are some corrupt politicians, there is a distinction between what is a corrupt politician and what is a people, a person that is serving the people, a person that is actually there to serve the country. And here comes another personal belief, and it is that the people of a country are above the president and the government of a country, which is a distinction that has been lost. Wow. And so it's mm -hmm. very important for people to feel empowered over a government. So I don't feel like wow. a president or a senator should have access to all of these benefits when they're just an employee of the people. And they are they are there serve the interests of the people. Absolutely, P um, people should not be afraid of their government. The government should be afraid of the people. I exactly. believe that, but but it's but it's not like that. Okay, so so that makes sense. So you want to get in there and affect change. And you said something. You used two words. Um, you use leadership, and you and you said a couple of moments ago, servant. And I believe that's what people in leadership are. They they should actually be the best servants. So you are going into it with a servant um, mindset to lead the people to to a greater life. As you said, uh, Colombia has the opportunity to be a greater and better country than it is. 
and you want to be a part of that. And I think that's fantastic. So there's these political things, it does bring about like some, some muddiness. There is some dirtiness in, in politics. So as you learn more, as you are in the rooms with these politicians, have you, and I'm not asking you to expose anything, please don't do that. But when you run into the dirtiness of politics and you have such a pure heart and, and a desire to make things right, how do you balance what you know is the dirtiness of politics into your love for politics anyway? I think that ethics, morals, and values are always going to be the best policy. And if you have a strong family structure behind you, and a family, I'm not necessarily meaning that you need to have a mother, a father, a sister. You don't have to have all of this around you. But if you have a structure of firm family values behind you, you're going to be able to identify this when it comes up because it does come up. And you're mm -hmm. going to be able to avoid it because you can avoid it. The thing is that the temptation to make money a very little effort is very big. And like you, you yes. even see that as a teacher, like the yes. to be successful with the minimum effort is every day more, more common. Right. Absolutely. It, it is. There's a temptation to take the easy way out. And there's a idea that as one person, I'm not going to be able to the, change the system. The system is so strong. It's so corrupt. Or, or whatever, that I'm not going to be able to change it. So how do you keep the faith that you, as a pure-hearted, morally, ethically sound person, can walk into this terrible system? Well, the system itself may not be, I mean, systems are bad, but the people are bad as well. So how do you keep the faith and say, you know what, I know I'm going into essentially a lion's den, but I won't be eaten by the by the crooks and the lions how do you keep that faith because i believe that when a person is very firm with what they believe and very coherent and cohesive i think that you can beat the system literally you can literally okay. beat the system if you have strong values if you're not willing to mm -hmm. negotiate your values because values are not negotiable positions are opinions mm -hmm. are values are not yep. and so i think that the love for country can get you to surpass the evils of the system wow well, okay I, I like that so where so we're going to we're going to get into a little bit of ideology uh, governmental ideology and so as a historian i have, I'm more historian than I am politician. So even though I have a minor in political science, that means it's the smaller part of my larger degree. I am, uh, I've always been the person that approached history and politics from the side of the oppressed. Okay. And I don't think that reform, then I, I'm going to give you some personal things. So I'm, now I'm talking to a politician. You're a politician. I'm talking to you. And I would say, I don't think reform works. I don't think taking a system 
that is because I believe oftentimes the system itself is bad. It's not just the people, it's the system. That's why the system perpetuates over and over again. The system promotes a certain type of people. The system leads to people being a little bit corrupt. So I would say in order to fix the system, you would need to tear it all the way down and build a new system. I don't think that you can put lipstick on a pig. You know what that means? Like, like make it look better. So what do you say to people who are so frustrated that they would rather see the system crumble in a new system, it re, like put in its place? What would you say to those type of people with that, that attitude? So as I was saying, the loss of free, the freedom is not a policy of the right or the left. Freedom is something that all individuals need to be successful. And there are many systems, as you're saying, that are right now with a focus of reducing individual freedoms. And so oh. this system has to end. What Actually, what I think society needs right now is small government systems that are representative, but are small, that are not wasteful, and that are working for the people. And for example, this has happened with many senators, and I have seen it. People will come up to them like when we're walking around and they'll they will be like, hey, how many laws have you passed? And then they're going to evaluate a politician's results based on how many laws they've passed. But people don't think the more laws there is, the less freedom there's going to be for them. Right. What I think is that right now the system needs to reevaluate all of its policies because there are policies that we are Mm -hmm. implementing in Colombia right now that were passed in the constitution of 1886 and that are still being used, those policies have to be over. And it's not necessarily Mm -hmm. because tradition is bad, because I think tradition can be beneficial to a point, but there is a division between what is traditional and what is constant in change. And politics is a moving being that is constant in change. Fair enough. No, that, that makes... That makes sense. I, I agree with you. Um, more laws is more restrictive and more restrictive is, leads to the frustration that the people have. Um, they want to see change, but they don't necessarily know how. So before we go, I'm going to ask you like two or three more questions and we'll get out of here. Uh, I believe, and I don't know, I I don't remember your, your side of this, but I do remember the conversation we were having back when I was teaching you your ninth grade year. And we were talking about voting and you remember our constitution, our new constitution um, project that we were doing. And I had you guys come up with two, 10 new laws and things. And the idea of voting came up and some of your classmates were saying that there should only people, people who are educated should be the only ones that are voting for the, for a system. Um, voting practices are always a part of a democracy and but they're always challenged. Are votes being stolen? Are people really being locked out of polling and things? Can you shed some light on the the importance of people, everyday people, participating in politics with their vote? That is their power. Can you can you ex- express how important you think voting is? Should it be restricted to only the educated, to only the landowners? Like, what do you think about voting? So I want to refer to this back to what I heard once from a Harvard professor that was talking about education. And he says, uh, but like talking about children, if you treat them like adults, they will behave like adults. And so yes. when it comes to voting, 
when you're treating, when you're giving to a person that feels separated from society, that feels, as you said, oppressed, when you're giving them the opportunity to vote, they're going to behave, behave like a voter. And most of the times what happens with an election is there's going to be a winner and there's going to be a loser. But the people who voted for the loser don't understand that they also took the decision of choosing the new leader. They were also part of that decision. And that's the reason why there's a democratic system. A group of people decided that this is going to be the president. And the fact that you participated in that election already makes you a part of that government. And so the fact that you participate mm -hmm. in that election and are a part of government means that you have a responsibility and civil duties, even though that person is not the person you voted for. And what's happening now is that people are not going to, for example, follow a mandate just because they didn't vote for that person. But that right. person is representing the collective of a society. Yes, absolutely. And, and people don't realize... You know, they're like democracy, true democracy, the majority rules. That's true. But true democracies protect the minorities, meaning they protect the people who did not vote. So just because you didn't vote for the current president or current leader, true democracies say that's OK. We're not going to kick you out the country or kill you because you didn't vote for the, the president or the person in leadership. So, yeah, I think voting is very important. Um, I, I think a part of the problem is. Most de democracies run on a two-party system, and people are fed up with both parties, the yeah. left and the right. <laughs> like they're, they're fed up. And independents never get enough financial backing and push to make a real case, mm -hmm. right? And, and I know it may sound terrible, and I would never tell somebody not to vote, but oftentimes voting for an independent is almost throwing your vote away because – they're never really going to win, right? Like they're never like, so, so if you're voting for this independent, you are, you are putting your voice out there and telling the government, I don't like the left or the right. I want to vote for this independent. But oftentimes that independent, well, I would say, I don't really remember an independent ever winning in any de democratic um, races that I know of. Personally. The only independent president the United States has had was George Washington. Uh, right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. The first one. Absolutely. So what would be a lasting thing you would want the people to know about the importance of politics? This will be the last question I, I ask you today. If you had two minutes, somebody was like, hey, Santiago Lopez, you get two minutes to talk to the people about the importance of politics, young and old, does not matter. What would you say to them? So many times people will say i'm not getting into politics because politics is very dirty the problem is that whether you like it or not politics is going to get with your is going to mess with your life whether for good or for bad politics is going to be in your life and it's better to understand how it works and be subject to these changes and be part of these changes than not knowing how it works and being a subject of a system. And so the problem wow. is that when most people don't know about politics, they're also not conscious about the moment when they start losing individual freedoms. And that's what happens when people become violent and people become lose the sense of being in dissent and take it 
to a violent point of view. And that happens because people don't understand how politics works. And when they come to see their check, for example, and all of a sudden there's a huge charge for something and they don't know what it is. But if there was a minimal understanding of politics and of how the system works, this could be avoided easily. Absolutely. I agree. I think schools are doing you all, when I say you all, I mean students in general, a disservice with the way we teach politics in, in school. Where Politics are so feared to be spoken about. Um, but I think we can teach politics without necessarily teaching policy or sides. Like you can just teach what politics are, how government systems run. Santi, man, I really appreciate this. Uh, I was definitely excited to get you on the podcast. I think you're one of the sharpest young people I've ever met in my entire life. I, you, I'm going to tell, I'm going to, I talk, I talk behind your back a little bit, but it's in a good way. I tell all the teachers who are willing to listen that we have the future president of Columbia in our school. I believe that, I believe that wholeheartedly, man. I, I think, and, and when you make it, don't forget about Rev. I was your ninth grade history teacher that came in in the middle of the school year and and sort of saved the history department because it was going it was going to hell that day. Uh, it was well, that year it was not going very well. So no, but but I I really appreciate you, man. I thank you so much for joining the Revelations podcast. I believe in you. Uh, I really do. I, I respect you, and I know you're going to do well in life. Thank you for joining. Thank you.